Hello, everybody. Welcome back to La Cantina MX Football Podcast. We're on episode 402. And the title of today's episode is Chivas Crisis Center. If you know, you know. Chivas have just wrapped up their match week 11 against Mazatlan. And they fall 3-1 at home. And this is a full-blown concern for Chivas fans everywhere. They just have not been the same team since League's Cup interrupted their three-game winning streak. We're going to be talking about that and some observations I've had of the game. Also, some other results that happened over the weekend that we get a chance to cover. Some upsets, some shocking results. And, uh, you know, we'll probably talk about some more cheese around the Mexican national team. Or players abroad. So stick with us. We're broadcasting live on Twitter Spaces and YouTube. So if you want to speak up, raise your hand. We'll, we'll we'll patch you in. Or if you have some comments because you're a keyboard warrior, just hop on YouTube. Send us a chat. I'll read it out for everyone uh, to listen to. But really, the big story right now is the 3-1 defeat for Guadalajara tonight against Mazatlan. It wasn't even close. Mazatlan scored very, very early in the first half. 37th minute and then the 43rd. So it was a one-two punch. And the team just did not look like themselves today. And it was actually 3-0 at one point that Ward Bello scored the gut punch. El gancho aliado. And then... Sort of a consolation prize. Piojo Alvarado does get Chivas on the board with his left foot, but the overall sentiment tonight is is not good. Um, one of the things that really surprised me is how quickly the fans are turning. Alexis Vega did not start today. He's been having issues with his knee, and my theory is that they are a lot more severe than we think. He's been only playing 45 minutes, and even those 45 minutes, he really has been hobbling along. But the big shock for me was him coming in at halftime. We're down 2-0, and the fans boo him as he enters the pitch. You know, how quickly they have turned on him. This was the same guy who got, you know, a standing ovation when he decided to stay and, and get his contract extended at Chivas. Now, all of a sudden, it's just it's just not good enough. So, really concerned about that. Also, the, the fans did turn on the team. Um, at one point, they were they were cheering Mazatlan. They were, they were doing the oles every time they passed the ball and, and just booing every time Alexis had the ball. So, it, this has gotten ugly. The fans are, are fickle. This was the same team that made a final just a couple months ago, and I'm not sure what happened between then and now, but this team has gone on a downward slump, and it just does not seem like they are snapping out of it anytime soon. And the frustrating part is, you know, you don't really see any changes. You know, we had uh, Iron Man have a press conference after their 4-0 defeat against America, you know, he told the fans that he's happy with Banovic, that he knows this is the same team that was very close to winning a final. 
So I know he has the right players and the right coach. And all they got to do is keep working. But you just don't see it on the pitch. And Baunovic also had some very nice remarks. Some motivational speeches. But you just don't see it being executed. And, you know, it's hard not to question, has he lost the locker room? Why does he have a cut above his eyebrow? Was that a off-the-field incident? Was that a locker room incident? You know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories going around right now. It reminds me of when Sir Alex Ferguson had a little berrinche in the locker room and threw a cleat at David Beckham, and David Beckham got cut above the eye. And, you know, it was kind of held as a secret, and it didn't. It, we didn't find out about it until after the fact. So I don't know if years down the road we're going to find out that Banovich got that, got that cut above his eye over... I don't know, a scrap with with one of the players. But I do have to question, you know, has he lost the locker room? This team does not look like the same team that was fighting for him just a couple months ago. We have our usual cast jumping in now. Joel, thanks for uh, fixing your audio. How's your day going? Well, let's hope it's working fine now. Yeah. It was going well. I mean, up until I saw that. You don't want to feed at home. It's like, damn. I don't know how much longer I can stay on the Pauneta. Yeah, I, I don't know. Down. Do you have any any conspiracy theories for me? Because it seems to me that he's losing the locker room. I did hear that, and I didn't want to believe it, because you usually hear murmurs. Or at least give me an example. Um, but man, yeah. These last two games, just just the matter. No, not not the zero zero too much of the, the classical and this one. Yeah, it seems like they didn't even put their hands up, man. Yeah, it's one of those things where he keeps saying the right things in the press conferences and so does Ignacio Hierro or sorry, Ignacio Fernando Hierro. But what we're actually seeing on the pitch is it, it just doesn't, doesn't translate. It doesn't execute. And you know, it's hard. It's hard to blame. Like, is it the players? Is it the coach? Because this is the, this is the same team that went to a final just a couple months ago. So it's like, what exactly broke? You know, what happened? Man, it's like you were saying about the um, the Beckham cleat incident, cleat to the face. Eventually, eventually all this stuff gets filtered out, usually a few years down the line. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to believe that, that, you know, the players are making the bed that's the case. I'll be disappointed in the squad. I really like when, you know, lack of professionalism. I see it as that. Uh-huh. So just, I hope that's not the case, but we see it happen very often. If there's one thing that's consistent throughout not just Chivas, but Mexican football, it's the inconsistency. Prime example, we had um, uh, Monterrey, who has had 
some serious off-season transfers, some big signings, Canales and Tecatito. They, they've had some really good matches to return from League's Cup. And all of a sudden, they get their shit pushed in against Tigres 3-0 on Saturday. You know, it's just like a lot of inconsistency throughout <laughs> the league. It's a big team, though. Like, you know, people won't agree with that. But they're one of the strongest teams with with the type of squad to do that to more. Like, if there's a, there's a team that could do that to, to Rayados, Rayados mm -hmm. it would be Tigres, man. <laughs> Would, yeah, but you know, they, 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 just so so just to like piggyback off of that, Atlas just come from beating Tigres two zero. You know, so this shit's all over the place. There's no, you can't. There's no consistency, bro. This is all <laughs> over the place. when they bring it for the classical. Yeah, I I think this is what makes um, the Liga MX exciting because. One of our favorite national team coaches said it, Tato Martino, how any team can beat any team. He was comparing it to La Liga, where he's because he called Liga MX more competitive than La Liga. And the media went after him. And then I remember after a match and during the press conference, he he doubled down and he said, getting your shit pushed in 5-0, it doesn't mean it's competitive. Mm -hmm. And then he gave examples of how, you know, Liga MX, any team can beat any team. And for him, that's what made it. And that's, that was when we liked that. Uh, before we were like frenemies, I mean. <laughs> it, but is it, is, it a, is it a competitive league or is it just a matter of everyone's just pretty much <laughs> mediocre? <laughs> no. Both, I, I think the league structure makes it mediocre because you're allowed to slack off, and especially when, when they had what 12 teams and being able to still, you know, go to like a playoff, uh, and even at eight, that that allows teams to hit a slump, and then at the end of the season, win like three or four games, and you know, we're back in. Uh, and so, I do think that. That gives us all those irregularities where even uh, the club owners will be like, all right, they'll just start switching up coaches mid-season. And again, these aren't even, the tournaments aren't even a full season. They're half a season. Yeah, half a season. They're cousin too. So, yeah, it's, I would say it's both because the teams, by and large, go and get pretty good players. Um, so I think they're able to do that. But yeah, at the same time, um, just the playoff system, you know, short season and playoff, we, we get to see that. We get to see some teams that aren't so good, you know, yeah. have a chance to win the league. And that shouldn't be the case. It should be, the, you know, the best of the best. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, right now, if we look at the, the standings, San Luis has 19 points there in first place. You know, I don't think anybody would have predicted that. America in second with 18, Tigres in third with 17. Juarez, another team, you know, the dark horse, not so dark right now, in fourth with 15, Atlas with 15, Pumas with 15, and Chivas, despite the five last games without a win, they're still, you know, within a couple of points. 
uh, with they're, they're in seventh place with 14 points. Yeah, you know, and it's surprising that they might seem with some of those. Like, if we're keeping track, like I was keeping track of Juarez since they had brought in um, Tuca, and I knew they had hired one of the ex Tigres directivos, and even some of the players they were bringing in, you know, ex national team players. And so it was like someone's, you know, investing some good coin in, in that team. And they've been, it looks like they've, Kept, they kept their investment and it's paying off with uh, San Luis. I, I didn't really, um, I didn't even bother to check on them, but I'm sure if we kept tabs, we would probably notice that they were lining up to do something good. Yeah, there's an interesting project happening at Juarez. And yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're doing well. Ironically, after Tuca's departure. So, kudos to them. Kudos to San Luis, who beat Mazatlan on Saturday, 3-2. to two. You have Pumas, who are... I mean, Chino Huerta, man. He's carrying that team to glory. I wish Beto was here. I would love to hear his thoughts. But Chino Huerta, man, that's a player that was uh, laughed out of Chivas... Got loaned out a few times, and now he's finally hit his stride at, at Pumas. Gotten some recognition on the national team. Already scored on his debut. Things are, are really looking good for him. And ironically, he's a player that could really help us out right now. Especially with Alexis Vega having a bum knee. And it seems like today, Eric Gutierrez, our, our big signing, was sidelined with an injury. So... I don't know as far as the health the health of this team, you know. I, I'm not sure if the team is 100% healthy and if that's also one of the factors of why we've had some terrible results lately. Yeah, that could be it too. That, that could probably be the, the main reason we're all here going the, the other route, the novela, because this Liga MX with conspiracies. Wait, yeah, she was been battling injuries for a long time. I think it's been a big hindrance for a while. Doesn't help a lot of players they bring are also like damaged. Like they, you know, like when you go to the store and it's like if a can got the dent because it was dropped. <laughs> it's like a discount. I don't know if they still do that after <laughs> after Big Daddy. I think they uh they stopped honoring that discount. They're like, nah, we saw Big Daddy. You guys are trying to trying to jip us. <laughs> Look at King sees with you out there. Every time they bring players, they're, they're damaged. They're, they're, they're like, and I don't think that they're hiding the injury because that's why they always do the medicals. Uh-huh. They're able to know. You know, they, <clears throat> they wouldn't know. I guess it's just like, all right, dude, let's just patch it up and let's see. Let's hope it gets there. I really need you to see this uh, video, Jaime. It's, they need to look for it. La, La Familia something goes to Acapulco. That's, that's going to be describing Chivas, dude. Yeah, I have to and watch it. Like, like, yeah, I'm going to send it to you. I'll, I'll look for the name and I'll share it to the listeners. I don't want to just leave it at that. But it's a poor, it's a really poor family in the FA. They got this big station wagon looking car. And it's like 10 of them plus a dog hmm. all packed in. And they're, gonna, they're going to Acapulco. 
we're just going to go for a weekend. And <laughs> I don't know how some, some um, or why, but some camera crew followed them. And their car just kept breaking down along the way. They would have to stop for three, four hours at a time. And it, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny, but you have to admire these guys. They, they make their destination. I think that sort of like Chivas feels to me right now. <laughs> Thing keeps breaking down, but I feel that they just still make playoffs. And I, I wasn't thinking they would um, be playing another final, but I did feel that at the least they would they would be in Liguilla. I still think that's a possibility. Yeah, well, Chivas just played their tenth match, which means they only have seven left to qualify. Again, they're currently sitting in seventh position with 14 points, but they have a game at hand or, or uh, a game ahead. So, you know, after the, after the weekend, I think the other teams will, will catch up or even surpass Chivas. Their next match is against Toluca on the first at 420. So that's not an easy test for them, especially if you're struggling with the likes of, you know, Mazatlan, what can a, a Toluca do to you? So, little concerning there. They did have a match on Saturday. They tied against Pachuca by the skin of, of their teeth. We had a penalty called late in the match, and, and uh, our goalkeeper, he, he saved the day. So, you know, Chivas, again, in the last five matches have had, I believe, four defeats and one draw. I mean, this is, this is just a terrible, terrible streak. And this is where we're going to see what a foreign sporting director and a foreign coach do to Chivas, right? Because in most likely, a lot of the times, we fall into the same patterns, right? You you get rid of the coach midseason, and then you you know you start all over again. But I think they're gonna insist on sticking with their guy. They trust the process. I just want to know at one point, you know, where does Zierro's patience run out and when will he have to make that tough decision? There was a video floating around the weekend. It wasn't even a Chivas game. It was a Tapatio game, and he just looked completely frustrated and defeated. And I can't imagine how he's feeling tonight. Yeah, it's tough, too. But again, let's keep in mind, um, it's half a season. If we... You would have to let let him finish. Uh, by him, I mean Pau, finish the season, uh, and then judge him based on how he did in the both tournaments. I think that's the logical thing to do, uh, unless it's on some extreme cases. I feel where like the players um, just have zero confidence on the coach, but I, I don't. It's hard for me to see that because, as you said, Jaime. They they played a final. It's what were they? It's 20, mind 20 blowing, dude. Or thirty from winning. How long? How much were they from winning? I mean, like thirty minutes. They maybe? were. They were. Yeah, man. They were. Thirty or whatever. But still, man. I mean, so I mean, he took you there. He was part of it. You don't just all of a sudden uh, lose confidence after three, four games. So, I'm I'm hoping it's more along the lines of just a combination of injuries. And he seems to be the type of where they, the, their, their training regimen, where I think he's kind of the type of they like, 
runs the players to the ground. Um, oh, that's interesting. That could be a that could be another <clears throat> another theory there. It, it, it yeah, very, they it, were, yeah, overtraining. They were, yeah, but I think it, it has the upside towards the end of the season. It's when then all of a sudden, you know, the, I, I forgot because we was looking at one of the, it was like an article. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking about this with Peach, but Parker doesn't want to come on and talk. <laughs> I, know he, I know he remembers. Um, and I hate that you can't do the searches on, you know, like like when you have discussions on, on the yeah. DMs. You can't. And I uh, loved if you could if you could go back because I would find it. Mm-hmm. I would find that article so quick. Um, but that that could probably be a combination of that and just the injuries. Uh, and you know, some of these players still not Alexis. Some of them not not even at a hundred. But um, I I found the video Jaime. So for those of you guys interested, go to YouTube and type. Vasquez viajan a Acapulco, and the Vasquez spelling is uh, V as in Victor, A, C as in Zebra, Q, U, E, and C as in Zebra again. I know some people sometimes spell it with an S. S, Um, yeah. Yeah, but that's Vasquez. And you could even see they're they're like, they're wagging. It's all like falling apart. Wait, so is this a, this is like a, like a real family? Yes. Oh yeah, dude, my it's god! <laughs> and it's like a four-minute clip. I don't know if there's a longer one. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Oh, you're watching. Su camioneta, Doña Eustolia, cuatro de sus ocho hijos, sus yernos, nueras y nietos. Conózcalo, son los Vázquez. ¿Cuántos bien? Como quince. Ya está el perrito. Se rompió una rótula de la llanta. Oh my god, bro. <laughs> They're like the Beverly Hillbillies, bro. Just like... <laughs> the dude. Yeah, the yard dude, my and Paul. <laughs> Hasta el perro. Hasta el perro, bro. That's hilarious. Oh my god. I'll have to link it in the the podcast after, you know, when we upload this. I'll, I'll put the dis- I'll put the I'll put the YouTube videos everybody can watch. Post record. That's that's hilarious. I think it's like eight hours. I don't remember. I've done the, I've done the trip on bus before. I think it's like eight hours from, Defe to Acapulco. It's around that time, but I think it takes them like a whole day just because, you know, like their cars like leaking gas and flat tire and. Yeah. <laughs> Everything kept breaking down, but they just kept figuring a way to patch it up. And keep going. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, I just started reading this book called Grit. Um, I'm in sales, so they always recommend, you know, these type of books. But, you know, they said that it's not the most talented or the most gifted that or the most intelligent that end up being successful. It's the ones that just, you know, keep going, keep pushing, you know, even though their car breaks down, you know, you keep you find a way and we'll see. Like the problem with Chivas is I just don't see that. I don't see the attitude. I don't see the mindset. I don't I don't see it on the pitch, right? So you can say all these nice things, but at the end of the day, man, these players are just not up to par. And again, I just don't know what happened. I mean, we started the season with three victories and I don't know what happened between League's Cup and now and something broke along the way. 
I don't know if like the new signings, you know, Ricardo Marin and and Eric Gutierrez. I don't know if that that created a you know a, a a chemical reaction in a bad way. You know, like the team was gelling, right? You know, uh, Pocho's being practically erased from the team. Alexis has a has a nasty injury, and it's just a lot of things are are broken. You know, and unfortunately, I'm also a Manchester United fan, and I'm seeing like parallels. Right, we have you know, players leaving through the back door with, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo and him having issues with Den Hag. And like, now we have like Sancho who's, he had to delete his Instagram because he was getting so many like, you know, hate. And I feel like Chivas are like, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's the coach or the players or both, but I I cannot, I, I will say this. If Chivas failed to qualify to Ligia, I, I think that's the end of Pau. I know it sounds crazy because he got us to a final, but that's the reality of things. Damn. Sometimes you just lose. Sometimes you just lose the locker room, bro, and it's, you know, all for one and one for all. We have uh, Ron joining us. I don't know if he's got his mic on, but uh, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Uh, great reference with the uh, Familia Vasquez. That's uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, no, like he's on the show yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I always I always use that meme. But no, it, 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 you know, going back to that, you know, going back to that uh, news coverage of that family. I mean, it, it's uh, you know, people can make fun of you know make fun of it, but at the end of the day. A very united family and you know they you know whatever it takes to to get ahead you know they, you know they, they do it uh yeah, but, yeah you know, it's, it's, it's true really quick on what you just said because despite like all their hindrances these dudes do their shit like not the average person wouldn't be able to get a car going if it broke down but some nah, of the stuff they had they they just figured it out like you know, and I thought they had jobs working um, like as a mechanic or, or you know, certain jobs. I feel like there's just stuff that they had to learn. Yeah, I mean, they're basically, you know, Mexican uh, MacGyvers, you know. Uh, I mean, they, they, can make, <laughs> they can make anything. But, but, I mean, I remember, I mean, I remember the scene. I think it was. It was I don't think most people won't get that reference. Yeah, it was a TV Yeah, it was a it was a Azteca, like like a news, you know, or like kind of like when like it was a TV Azteca like video reporting. It's but Hechos TV. Yeah, hecho, yeah, TV Azteca. You know, but yeah, I I use that reference a lot, a lot that meme, you know, but. Uh, so you guys think that uh, Chivas has enough time to turn it around, or or not really? I do, I do. It's seven games. That's that's a lot. Seven games is still plenty, but you know they face Toluca, Atlas. Let's see who's after that. Puebla, which is accessible. Then you have Tigres. Ouch. Querétaro. Yeah, you could probably win that match. Cruz Azul. That should be fun. And then we end with Pumas, which would be a dogfight. So, 
yeah, they might be able to get a couple victories and squeeze in. I, I don't know if it's if they're doing the the top six and then the playoff or play in from seven to ten. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We're still losing the points at home that hurt. So the last two, I think they were home games. Pachuca was Pachuca home game. Pachuca was a home game. Can't get yeah, them. Yeah. Yep. So like Chivas got one point out of six. So that that will hurt them. Uh they're like obligated to win on the road now. But you could usually like if you win at home and then just scratch a few points here and there, that gets you through. But yeah, if they keep losing at home or, or losing points, then yeah, that, that will it's it's been that would definitely hurt. I don't know, it's been Haley's comments since the last time I saw Chivas have a fortress at home. It's been a long time since I've oh, seen. Oh yeah, I never. I don't think I see. <laughs> there was a time in play, you know, when you went to Jalisco, you lost, you know, and it was an intimidating. <sighs> Haven't seen that in a long time. Well, I never, I never seen that at the Zombie Life. Uh, I just never seen that stadium that that ever became like a support or like the Chiva Fortress or or like as a or even be known as a complicated venue. I've never yeah. seen it like that. I would <laughs> say their Libertadores run in 2010, maybe, but it was like artificial gla- grass at that time, and it was a different, you know, pace, different players, obviously. But yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think the Omni Life or whatever they call it now, Lacron. I don't think it's ever had it's it's carried weight. You know, it's not like La Azteca. It's like oh shit, you know. But it's it's different, man. It was never meant to be that. It was meant to be. It was meant to be basically a, a commercial center, uh, slash cultural center. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you go, if you go back to, and see the renders of of, of the, the entire complex, it was supposed to have like a palenque. It was supposed to have a library. It was supposed to have a hotel. Mm-hmm. It was supposed yeah. to have a shopping yeah. a shopping center. So you know, it, it it was never meant to be an intimidating uh, fortress. It was supposed to be basically a money-making, you know, facility. Um, Wait, you, you still think La Azteca carries weight? Because that's the number uh, one complaint I hear about people of Mexico playing there, that Azteca it, no longer carries weight. Well, he, he, here's Wait, the you're, thing. You're not talking about Selección now, are you? Now, here, here's the with th- America, do you see teams going to La Azteca and, like, parking the bus because they're afraid to play there? They actually still park the bus there when they play against America. I've Holy will will attest to this because I, I've I've said this for years that I always preferred America playing on the road because it was more likely for America to face a team open up in front of their own crowd than to go to the Azteca uh, and 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 basically bunker. Uh, now, do they bunker as much as before? No. But they still they they still play America a little different when when they're when they're at the Azteca. But in general, in, in just in general terms, the Azteca has lost the uh, has lost its its a little bit of its its psyche, its fortress because they've and and I say this as an architect, they've really fucked up that stadium like the interior. Uh, they bent you know, over, they bent over the, backwards for the NFL, right? Well, not just that, but just in, I mean, when you look at when you look at the original design intent of what it looked like, you know, even thirty years ago or twenty years ago, and then little by little they started to you know to do more of the uh, 
uh, of like started to copy a lot of what the U.S. stadiums were doing, where you know adding swimming pools and adding restaurants and making it more like a social life thing. You know, Azteca basically took out like like twenty thousand seats for that. You know, remember that free, free? I think it was called the Freedom. Uh, the Freedom Restaurant. Remember that you you could see the uh, the like the logo on like. Uh, it was like a restaurant, you know, on, on the on the on, in the stands. Oh, and then they remo- they remodeled it again and stuff like that. So, what used to be 120 now is less, really, is less than 100, uh, like less than 80,000. Yeah, and those, those 20k people were were the thugs. The the the, the, the twenty the twenty k that they that they uh, they cut off were the apocalypto people, man. They they needed us. They needed to put some more VIP, you know, some more um, enterprise, you know, for for the NFL, right? It's like you had to make it for. So, so you, so you take away, you take away the, the you know, the fans, you know, you take away the fans, like you know, especially in the in the in the, in the first, you know, in the in the, in the like in the general stands and like near the like near the yeah. pitch. No, I hear you. And then you add, and then you add. Another thing where a lot of our play, you know, a lot of the players that play in the, you know, on the national team, most of them are not, you know, playing in Mexico City anymore. They're either playing in Europe, they're playing in the U.S. and stuff like that. So, like, when the national team comes, our guys are gassed, too, just because they're not used to the altitude anymore. You know? It's lost its advantage and its, you know, intimidation factor, for sure. Yeah, but I wouldn't call shade on the Lacron, though, because if you ask me, that's every stadium in Mexico. They the, no pesan como antes, because the Wola Federación did with whether we think it's the right thing they did or the wrong thing they did. Like you don't have that fan connection with the team anymore. You don't have the chance. You don't have the flags. You don't have the players. I can't speak for all all stadiums, though. I I think Nuevo León does a great job. I was but going to mention. Right, I was. I was going to mention. I don't know if you guys saw like uh, the, the Toluca America game. For me, for my money, La Toluca has. Yeah, they they have the best atmosphere, the best stadium. Uh, I love as that a traditionalist. As a, as a traditionalist, that that stadium right now is is probably the best. In, 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 you know, I, I think that's probably the best stadium in, in all of Mexico in terms of soccer. I because love, it's just yeah. it's like it's still it's in the it's in the neighbor it's in the neighborhood it's an English style, you know the fans are very close, and <clears> then you know and then with the new remodel or it's not even a remodel technically it's a new stadium within you know the old confines you know of the of the, of the, of the facility, I you know I just thought that that's an it's an amazing uh, it's an amazing stadium and, and the atmosphere is you know second to none. Uh, Tigres, you know Tigres and Toluca, I think. Um, Tigres Stadium is, is is crap, but their atmosphere is second to none. I mean, they have an amazing they have an amazing atmosphere, but you know they do need a they they need a stadium. They need a they new need stadium, a stadium, but they they are some of the you know the most consistent fans out there. You you rarely see a Tigres game empty. You know they they are consistently one of the best attending uh, you know teams in the in the league. Um, and yeah, even, you, even 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 when they were in the second division. And but that's just they're also they're also Monterey, I think one of the most expensive. Fans have always, yeah, Monterey fans have always been uh, supportive of their teams, you know, in ba- whether it's baseball, whether it's soccer, 
you know, whether it's college football. I would, yeah, I, I know we're, we kind of started talking about Selección, but I would reward those venues by allowing the Selección to play games there, you know, instead of always going to La Azteca. It's like, hey, this team, this this stadium, these fans and this this region is it has the best support. <laughs> Here you go. You know, yeah. you get to you but get those, to those places don't necessarily care about La Selección. If you talk to Tigres fans, it's Tigres over La Selección. They could they could give two fucks about La Selección. Porque son they europeos, think they're all their okay. own country. They think they're their own country, man. They think they're European. <laughs> well, well, La Volpe actually talked about that, you know, not too long ago, uh, about you know taking taking games away from Azteca and, and giving them and, and giving games to like different venues. I think he was talking about like Aguascalientes. He was talking about Monterrey and stuff like that. But I I don't I don't think about it. I mean, for basically twenty twenty years or so. You know, the Mexican fan has been basically the, has been treated like the redheaded chef, the stepchild because just about every game, you know, the the, the you know the executives always want to take games to to the U.S. Hell to yeah, the U.S. You know, dollar dollar so, bills, y'all. So like it it is. I mean, um, I just yeah another I, another analogy i have you know as far as like it's losing its intimidation and history and 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 culture is like you know the raiders moved from oakland to las vegas and now there's more away fans at, at that stadium and like there is no black hole there is no like all that shit got lost because of wanting to have more suites and more vips and it's just like you know unfortunately this is part of the modern game right it's like sold to the highest bidder, like whoever's going to bring in the most money and generate the most revenue, we're going to accommodate those people. And I, I, I'm not looking forward to the 2026 World Cup for exact for that exact reason because the fa- the, the stadium's going to be full of a bunch of influencers. It's not even going to be people that care about the sport. It's just going to be how many celebrities can we pack at every single World Cup match. And I think that's the uh, unfortunately what's happening in the world of football. Yeah, like the companies don't buy a lot of the tickets. And then they just give them away. Well, it becomes, yeah, it does become hard for Dallas to get a ticket. When I was in that, when I was, when I was in South Africa, uh, I mean, I was lucky because I I had taken a, a we rented a car, but there were there were games where, especially towards the end, you know, the the, the latter stages of the of the tournament, there were there were instances where fans were not able to to get to the stadium or got to the stadium very late because you just had nothing but social influencers and, and media and, 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 you know, like in celebrities that were taking away the airspace at, at a lot of the airports with their, you know, with their private jets, you know, heading, you know, heading into the stadiums and stuff like that. So, I mean, that was, that was even the case back in 20, you know, back in South Africa. So, but I think you're right. It, it, it is going to be, you know, I, I don't, I don't think any of the stadiums in in, in uh, for that for this upcoming World Cup. I don't think they're going to be in. And and to be brutally honest, I I, I never, you know, even even the German games that I went to, like the Germany games, really the only stadium that for me was like intimidating. What was the Dortmund stadium? Oh yeah. I mean that stadium that was the only stadium that where you actually felt that there was a home field advantage for Germany but that that's also the stadium where Germany got 
got beat by uh, by uh, by Italy, you know, in the, in, the, in the semis and stuff like that. But like I said, in in, in World Cup, it, it's it's not that type of it's not that type of environment. And 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 I was actually very surprised, you know, you know, when I went to the to the Germany uh, Germany World Cup because. I was kind of expecting a different environment, especially being in Europe. Yeah. And it was totally different. It was, you know, it was a lot of, you know, glitter, a lot of, you know, stuff like that. And it's, it's, you know, same thing in, in, in South Africa and stuff like that. It's, uh, you, you didn't have that, you know, me, I wanted to see a little more hostility, you know, like, you know, a little bit more chanting. Yeah, for uh, sure. From the fans. But you're not going to get that. It's, it's too commercialized anymore, you know? I think when eventually it returns to South America, maybe. Uh, not, uh, that I, know, I think everyone's getting priced out intentionally. Yeah. I yeah. Mean. Well, it did in England when they switched to the Premier League. A lot of the stadiums, uh, they, the older stadiums used to have sections where it was pretty cheap to go in. And it was like, there wasn't seats. It was like, you just stood. Stands. Uh, well, yeah, and you had yeah. you know, the hooligans there. And, uh, yeah, they priced all that people out. The uh, the stadium that I actually liked a lot, believe it or not, when uh, in Germany, it wasn't you know it wasn't a World Cup stadium. It was the last game of the uh, of Latin, it was Mexico's last game, you know, preparation match uh-huh. where, they, where they played the University of Göttingen. Oh yeah. Uh, and the stadium was just like something that you would imagine from the 60s and 70s where no seats. It had basically the, 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 the it had the stands and like every fourth or fifth like row. There was like a, a metal, uh, like, like a rail, like a rail, like, like yeah. a rail yep. and stuff like that. Like, and if you ever, like, if you ever watched the movie, like fever pitch, uh, not the one baseball, but the one about soccer where, you know, you see, you know, the, the, the guy, played by the actor Colin Firth where he you know he takes his girlfriend to the uh to the uh, to the stadium to the, to the to the stands it's it was kind of like that and and it was just so much fun uh to be in that stadium that night and stuff like that because it was just I mean it was packed you know it was just packed packed you know mostly Mexican fans but you also had a lot of local you know German fans that were uh that were getting, you know, you know, I think they were most of them were, if I'm not mistaken, they were most of them were, were college kids, you know, college students. So it was just a really nice uh, atmosphere, you know. Yeah, they, uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that the Wrexham show on Hulu. You know, this season they open up with the cop, you know, the the cop stand where, you know, that yeah. was that was where everybody stood. It was like the standing room, and they're tearing it down, you know, because they're trying to expand the stadium and make it more, you know. Uh, I guess uh, first grade or whatever, you know, like international standards. They're they're trying to build it so the Wales national team can actually like play there again. But you know, the guy who owns the bar right next to the stadium was kind of like, you know, it's like he he was happy, but he was also like hurt because he said that the first game he remembers there was he snuck in to the cop, and you know, you just don't see that in football anymore. You know, it's like. It's going away. Well, I hope they build another, you know, 10 more bomboneras in Mexico. Cause for me, that's, that's the ideal. Uh, that's, that's the ideal like uh, atmosphere. Well, you know, it's most likely to get more Mazatlan like stadiums. 
you know what? Uh, the lower divisions in Mexico and, and, and Liga de Ascenso, some of their stadiums are actually kind of interesting looking and, you know, and stuff like that. They just need more, they just need more funding. And, and, uh, but, but like I said, I mean, for me, for me in terms of stadium, the stadium, I think the best stadium in, in Mexico, um, you know, no, no knock on Monterrey, no knock on Chivas, but, uh, Toluca has it, you know? Well, Veracruz, right? They, they should be getting a new stadium soon. We'll see. We'll see. The city is building it, yeah. Speaking of Veracruz, uh, <laughs> the comedian, what's the name? Is Camilla and uh, and and, uh, and Falcon, yeah. yeah, David Falcon recently had a, like an interview, mm-hmm. and uh, Franco's Camilla, you know, Falcon was talking about how he was recently over there in Veracruz, and he and he witnessed that the stadium stadium was finally demolished. And with that, he was hoping that it would finally come to an end. <laughs> <laughs> it's never and coming Frank to was, an end. No, and Frank was coming here saying, "No, no, you know what? I, I, I want to put a, I want to set up a fund because a uh, we need a statue. Yeah, he needs a. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see a statue of that. That'd be hilarious. I'm gonna go to the YouTube comments real quick. Disco Fever, welcome back says Chivas hits a new low. They are the DC United of Liga MX. Uh, I can't speak to that. I don't watch MLS, but maybe Habibi can say something about that. He also said the Jets will win more games than Chivas, even without Rodgers. Damn. I would think that he's mentioning DC United because they were like the darlings. They were like they were the powerhouse team, like in the early years of of, of MLS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they and were they, with. Uh, I mean, like Bruce I think Arena. they won. Like, yeah, I mean that's what kind of put Bruce Arena on the map, and that's what got him into the national team. You know. I think they were they the and first ones to win the title. Or no? I mean, they, they, I mean, I'm not sure. If they, I'm not, I don't think they. I don't remember who won the first season, but I, I, I remember they. I think they had won like three out of four or something like that, and they were, and they also won. Uh, uh, yeah, now, granted, now, yeah, they won the Intercontinental. Yeah. yeah, and they and they also won, uh, you know, the the Conc- the Concacaf. Granted, it was all in the U.S., you know, so they they were like the, the, they they were like the the, the the like the standard, you know, of of what the ML what an MLS team should be. Uh, yeah, so but, they they but, won their fir- the first two seasons, and then a third. In 1999, so yeah, they started off hot off the gates. Have they, they won in, have, have they won recently? Uh, they won in 2004, and I think that's the last time DC won. So uh, they have four. Yeah, they they uh, they used to be like back in the day, like in the late 90s and early 2000s. You know, at least a lot in the non-mexican but latin you know uh circles they they were very popular because of they had uh what's the name what uh, Joel Lizette, uh but they also had another one they, they, they oh, also another, had another, another, another bolivian like a, a no, no, was, no i think i think he was oh, colombian i think he was Colombian. They had, two. they had like two two oh, uh, there was a way to check right there was there was two there was two Latin American I think they had. I think it was another Bolivian, also from the national team. 
don't know if it was named Sandy or something like that. I think it no, was Striker. No. Are you thinking of no. Colombian? No, I think he was Colombian. I, I, I don't. Not, not, I'm not Pibe Valderrama, but it was. Uh, no, Pibe was in Tampa Bay. Hold on. Yeah, hold on. Let me let me see. Uh, La Mosa. Carlos Lamosa was from Colombia. They had Jaime Moreno. Oh, but he was he, no, Moreno, Lamosa Moreno. was played for the U.S. Moreno. What was who was the uh, was the attacker? So, so, so no, there was there was Moreno. There was uh, also Raúl. Eddie, yes, Eddie Pope. Uh, oh, those were our national well, team players. Right, Lamosa went on to play with the national team for, for the you U.S. Had, you had a lot of the Central Americans, especially the Salvadorians. You know, go. Uh, they were just fans of uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Cien Fuegos and, and Galaxy, and uh, Raúl Díaz Arce. Cerritos uh, from uh, San Jose. Is that Ronald Cer Cerritos was uh, a big Salvadorian favorite? Not, uh, not, uh, he was a favorite. The, the Guatemalan guy, what's his name? El Pescadito. Pescadito Ruiz, también. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that, and that's and it's funny, man, because. You had a lot of, you know, back back then, you had, you always had the Central American, you know, uh, oh. soccer fans. You had a Wilbur, had, you know, Wilbur Rude for know? their team, man. No, no, they would always they would always try to shit on the Mexican fans because, like, for some reason, Mexicans haven't really done well, very well in in, in Major League Soccer. Yeah. You know, whether whether it was Hugo Sanchez or you know what's the name Carlos Hermosillo or. Or Brody Campos. I mean, they had here and there, you know, some good moments. Well, and stuff like that. pretty good. That, that first season, he did really good. No, um, you could even see his highlights. And he yeah, was, no, I, I think he just put number nine. He but, made it all the way to the final. But, but what I'm saying is that the Mexican, oh, the, Mexican the Mexican, the player never really treated, at least in its early, you know, at least in its first 15, almost 20, yeah. you know, 15 years. Well, they never treated. They never treated. And then they sort of dialed it in. They they never yeah, treated. They ne they never treated. They never treated Major League Soccer as as all right. This is the league that I want to stay in. This is the league that I want to retire in. You know, like you know, like not well, not, I think not even. Was Vela, right? Like I think that's the exception where you finally gonna have a player that's like like an icon for the club. You know, well, a player that, that did so much for the team. They're still remembered, and I don't think. I, I, I mean, we've seen Mexican players like that. I think, Vela's, I think the Vela's is really the first one because even though Cuauhtémoc Blanco did well with the Chicago Fire, yeah, it's not like it's not like it he a, made. It was a short tenure at Chicago. Yeah, exactly. two seasons it, it, or something, it, right? It, it was a short tenure, but it's not like he was. You know, it's not like Blanco was looking to retire there, and you know, you know. Uh, you know, he just went there for the payday, and that's good, you know, but he, he delivered. It's not like, you know, you mentioned, you know, Rafa Marquez to MLS, you know, uh, fans, especially the New York fans. Oh, yeah, they hate He's, him. Oh, they fucking hate him with a passion. Yeah, he was know? only there for two years. He scored uh, 16 goals, 62 appearances for Chicago Fire. Yeah, yeah so, I mean... Flipper could have been, been had he stayed, but yeah, it was for... Just really quick, guys, and I regret losing this, but I went to the very first Galaxy game. It's Galaxy versus the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. And they they gave us, uh, what are they called? Um, they, they do this in England. Uh, you could buy like a brochure, Scarf? like a 
No, no, it's not a star flick of book. It's a fucking game. Um, program? Program. Yes. If it was a program, uh, one of you guys needs to go on mute. You're getting echo. Um, thank you. Oh, no, I still have the echo. Um, <laughs> it's probably Ron. <laughs> silence yourselves. Um, all right, yeah. So yeah, I had the I had the program, and I think it was it wasn't just for that game. I think it was like the league wide program that they did, but it was like a big dude. It was like a big magazine. Mm-hmm. Well, not magazine, but and it talked about all the teams, and it was kind of surreal. Some of the names there because it it didn't feel it it just didn't feel like soccer. It, it felt like kind of like a game. So because because they brought players from everywhere, so they, they had players like Dr. Kumalo. Was, the fuck? It was a player that, yeah, Dr. Kumalo. And then there was, uh, they had an actor for the Galaxy, uh, Andrew Shu, who's uh, Elizabeth Shu's um, brother. I remember, that. On some... I, I remember that. Yeah, he was on Lazarus' <laughs> place, I think. I remember they that. Had a, they had a couple players like that, and I was like, what the fuck is this? I had to, uh, <laughs> I had to Google it. Yeah. It's real. Teofilis uh, Kamalo. Um, he was from South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> they had the stars or the personalities. Says, and some of the names are weird. It says Columbus Crew. Yeah. And, and if you go to back then, like the logos, the very first logos, 96, dude, they, they look weird, dude. They were just like, they gave them to Nike. Nike kind of did all the logos. Except for um, DC United. DC United was the only team with Adidas, and they had the only like real soccer-looking logo. All the ones, <laughs> it's, like, it's like Nike were just like fuck it. They just handed it to some intern, and like so, like the Tampa. What was it? Because it was Mutiny. The Tampa Bay two, Mutiny. There was the. I think it was the Mutiny, but it looked like the Space Invaders. Like like if you ever played that old ass game, Space Invaders. Yeah. We looked at little Yeah. And then like San Jose had the um, scorpion. They were they were the clash and they had a weird looking scorpion. Mm-hmm. You kind of can't tell it's a scorpion. It kind of looks like a little pyramid. Um so yeah. they had like just a weird and the colors, dude. The colors were all weird. The galaxy looked like uh Halloween colors. They had black, orange, and green. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this, dude? <laughs> I like I like the oh. Dallas Burn because it looks like the horse from the Denver airport, the one that looks all evil with the red eye. Yeah. He's shooting fire from the mouth. He's shooting fire through the mouth. DC United <laughs> looks like an old school Nazi logo with the eagle. <laughs> and and the <laughs> the Columbus crew just doesn't make shit sense. They're all wearing bowler hats like they're like they're the fucking yeah, right. um what what was the what was the villain? What was the villain? <laughs> no, the the villain from Bond with the with the bowler hat. What's his name? Ron should know this one. Um, not to me, it reminded me of like the village people. Uh, but it was odd like, job. <laughs> three odd yeah. jobs in the Columbus two, crew, man. Was it three guys right with construction hats? Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> and then the metro cars was a taxi. It was like a little taxi. Yeah, bro. It's, it looks so weird. Man. I feel like it was like, 
Do you remember? Do you remember their first uh, the first uh, soccer ball for for Major League Soccer? It actually looked more like a damn volleyball. You know the way it know. was. Uh, Mitre Mitre made that soccer ball. I mean, I I wish I I wish I had. I mean, I I remember I remember back in the you know when I was in college. Um, I don't remember. You know, one of the one of the guys uh, had it, and we used to basically. We used to basically, you know, use it for for intramurals and also to play. Uh, we used to play back in the, in the backyard. Uh, basically, the equivalent of like, you know, like basket basketball. But we used to do soccer. You know, we used to combine soccer and basketball. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's what we and used to do. Talking from, and the shit talking from basketball, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what we used to do. You know, and. Uh, yeah, I have a, another uh, quick comment from this. Is, this is actually I'm gonna mute you real quick, uh, Ron. It's uh, kind of distracting. Um, so from our Spotify Q and A, we had someone reply last week. So yeah, if you guys are listening, um, if you have anything to say about the show after the fact, just put it in Spotify. Uh, Navarrete said, "My personal opinion with Marcelo Flores is he's benefiting with the Tigres move." He's training with the players who have been the top Mexican team in the last decade. So this is in um, in regards to the last episode where we were, you know, contemplating was Marcelo's move to Tigres the best option, and uh, Navarrete gave us a different perspective. So uh, appreciate the fans uh, sending us their their opinions over there on Spotify. I don't know if you guys have anything to say about that. Well, I just really quick. I've never bought into that. I used to. I used to like believe in that the whole notion of because you're you're with this team or you're playing against these guys, and you could get better. But just throughout the years, it's always been the more PT you get, the better you're gonna get. That's just playing day in day out, and and I've I've used the the goalie comparison. Where Chivas had the goalie that was, he was in Europe for four years, right? He was in Rodinho. Portugal, training under um, Casillas. Training under, yes, yes, thank you, Jaime. Henry Casillas comes back to Chivas. He's fighting for the spot with a canterano that was playing at Tapatio, right? Or playing in some second division team. And he couldn't beat this guy out. He couldn't. Would you say Marcelo Flores would be better off training with his Chivas squad if he's getting more playing? No, not training, playing. Yes, playing. yes, just playing day in day out. You just play, you play, you play. You just so play. You, so you're saying that with the negative results and everything that is coming on top of the team, it'd be no better for his development Yes. being with a successful team. Come on, Nessie wants to... Chino Huerta leaves and he's better off. So I, I find yeah, it but they're getting playing time. They're getting playing time. Even if you're playing more, that it quote unquote makes you better. But I wouldn't say that's the point. I, that's right. the point that those guys you mentioned. You're still playing. I th- this is the part where it's it's not about you get better, it's just you're better like playing week in and week out than sitting on the bench on a Real Madrid, right? And that was no, that was you get better, honey. yeah. It's the ten thousand hour rule. Yeah, and and another thing too is 
like with Navarrete's comment about, you know, he's training with the with the team with the players who have, you know, they just won the championship. I, I understand that, but you were at Arsenal, bro. You were you were training with the yeah. with the elite of the elite. So it's like exactly. so just in that point alone, that should yeah. have been enough to come back and not not just be the starter, be the you know, like the, one of the main guys of the team. Be one of the star players. I didn't, um, I still think yeah. it's I, I didn't get a chance to to catch the the Rayados Tigres match. I'm not sure if he got some minutes there, but you know we'll have to see how his development unfolds now that he's in Liga Mekis and you know he's playing in the first division. He's not playing for the under 23s. We'll see what happens. I, I do think what it will help him is that he's on a team that's going to be you know Liga playing for the championships and all that, and he's he will be getting PT. I do think it's. A, so I do think they like promote him, and even it helps Diaz to have him in selection. So I think in that, in that sense, where he's like on the spotlight, the spotlight will be on him. Um, I think that's beneficial for like for his career. But but I mean, I'm but talking just playing wise, like development wise, uh, just playing, dude. So I'm, I mean, look, Moranesi goes to Chievo. There's two cables. I don't know if it's because Hellas, Hellas, or this two was Hewan, or this way. Hewan, I think it was Cable. Huh? Cameron I'm kind of getting confused. Yeah, I think it's Cable, Verona, and Hellas, Verona, but I think it's Cable. Yeah, he goes, they get relegated. They got relegated that season. He was playing. He ends up going to Juventus and becoming like one of the key players there and eventually gets to the Italian national team. He didn't go to like uh, Inter and write the bench. He went to one of the worst teams in the league where he, he got the PT and then eventually got noticed by that. By so Juve and, and, he know, went to Verona. Because there's like two. <laughs> way, way as Verona. The way? Uh, way as Verona. Oh, I don't know. Like hell, I guess in English it's like Hellas, Hellas Verona. Ah, there you go, there you go. See, that's the one I was thinking of. Because I think, yeah, there's, there's, and then I forgot the other one. I think it's Kievo too, but whatever. Uh, yeah, that team got relegated. He he goes up and he ends up over there. So, yeah, to me it's always been just playing time. It's it's like if you were to pick up the guitar, if you practice every day, at the end of the year you're bound to to be pretty good. But if you practice once a week you're not going to be as good as the dude practicing every day well i mean there's a difference between training every single day with elite players that are better than you and then actually getting playing time and getting that experience there's there's a lot difference than training and an actual like you know professional first time minutes it's it's night and day man I mean, I think of myself when I was, you know, playing soccer in high school, you know, I was a, what they call a role player. I wasn't a starter and in training, you know, you bust your balls and, and you can see the, you can see the difference in, in quality and you do get better by training with these guys. But at the end of the day, man, like when they throw you out to the game, dude, it's like a completely different, completely different game, bro. It's it, the intensity, the, the physicality. Just like the the dog fights that you that you get when you play first division minutes, you can't compare it to just being in training 
Like it, you can only train for so much. It's like, you know, boxers is what happens to them. Sometimes they overtrain for a fight. By the time they get into the ring, they're done, you know? So it's, there's a huge, <laughs> di there's a huge difference. And there's even a huge difference playing in the under 23 of Arsenal and playing in the first division anywhere. So we'll see how it goes for him. But, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to wait on the verdict. I wanted uh um you know that the name of today's episode is Chivas Crisis Center. Well, I don't know. This is a shout out to Big Soccer and Mikey's. Who who uh who actually made that thread? That's me. <laughs> no, no, no way. I didn't beat Chivas. I, oh, I did America. You did the America one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did the America one to clown on them because they were like crying and stuff. So I, I kind of like I took all the snippets of what they were crying because. Some would be like, oh, I could shoot myself. So that gave me the idea. Like, it sounds like he, like a suicide hotline. And so that was kind of my, like, running. Although there's nothing to joke about. But that kind of was what I was going for. And, uh, but then uh, Chivas, Chivas ended up going on a slump. And then Ron, Ron did the Chivas Crisis Center. Ah, uh, touche, touche. Still alive and kicking it. today. Yeah. There was a topic that me and uh, Al Pastor, we went at it for a little bit. Um, all I feel like all of our best conversations are unfortunately in the DMs. They're not on our podcast, <laughs> but I'm ready for a few rounds. We I, I will die on this hill about Carlos Vela and how I do not like I do not claim him. I do not root for him. I do not support him. And there's a whole like fuck Vela thread on big soccer that stems all the way from 2013. And I don't think these new hit, these new kids understand the history of Carlos Vela and why some people are on the fence about, you know, supporting him and, and, and having joy and following him. But you know, this is, this goes back to 2005, man, when they won the, the world cup under 17, you know, him and Gio were, were sold as the, you know, new golden generation of Mexico that they were going to bring us a lot of silverware. And this was just one of many. And, you know, what ends up happening is, is, is not that the opposite of that actually. So yeah, the, the, media did, the, the media did a disservice because it's a, it's a youth tournament and youth tournaments have never been a predicator of, of success with the senior national team. And so, but but they were just creaming themselves because you had Joe was already in Barcelona. He left really early, um, and then when Arsenal was waiting for him, and he you know he ended up leaving without playing. He didn't ever debut at Chivas, and so now you have two players in two top teams, and uh, and and they're. They're champions of their category. And so, yeah, the media just started having a field day with that. And it's like, we kind of have the example of the, when Portugal had their golden generation with the under, I think they won the under 20 World Cup back to back. And they had some really big names come out of that, like Vigo and, and a lot of those guys. And they didn't do anything at the World Cup level. They ended up losing to the U.S. at the group stage. They didn't even make it past the group stage. Um, and so, I mean, you have examples like that. And so I don't know where the media just, or like 
they didn't care, man. I think that's that's a lot of times where a lot of Mex fans get get all worked up because they'll end up believing the media. The the best current example I'm gonna say with Chivas, right when they buy the scrubs with um Pelias, the players they brought were just like pretty average. They call them the Chivas Lácticos. Are you comparing Chivas to the to Real Madrid Galácticos because they spent like what forty million? It was just ridiculous, and I was like, I always wonder why the club never said anything about that. They should have announced the press conference, be like, "Hey, slow the fuck down, man." We <laughs> just about players, not exactly brought national team, you know, starters to the club. I'm looking at it. It looks like that Portuguese team that won the '89 and the '91. World Cup under twenty, yeah, man. There's some big names on that on that roster. You had uh, obviously Figo, Rio Costa, um, Pauleta. You know, you've had a you had a few, man. That I mean, Figo had a great career, um, but obviously, like none of this really translated to the senior team. Like, what's Portugal's best finish? Like semis in 06? I don't. I don't even know, dude. But I mean. What do you mean? I mean, that's huge for Portugal. Third place game. No, I mean, I, I'm I'm just saying, like that was their best finish, like in their yeah, history. Yeah, I mean, that that's a change. They but went they got, from they got fourth not place. Doing anything with the Portuguese team, winning those back to back World Cups. Then in 2006, they go ahead, get third place, fourth, and then they want end up winning. Yeah, but 2006 is far away from that. Winning Nations League. Like they went That's from not removed, dude. anything in Europe to like being able to like compete. Yeah, but that's a different team now. You you went. What do you Those mean a like different like... team? You're the guy who says that you build upon the past. Those mm. guys winning those back to back titles is what makes Those the ones country that are... better. Because obviously you see you're doing something right, so they kept building. Oh, there's been a lot of great coaches that have come out of Portugal. The Portuguese is development league too. Porto and Benfica, they're always selling players for crazy amounts to the rest of Europe. No, but we're talking about um obviously they built back World Cups. What happened? The results show it. What years was it? 89? 89 and 91. 89, 91. Pretty sure they missed the '94 World Cup. But you still build up on top of it. Mexico won that. That's not the point. You're you're missing the point. What happens down the road? But but you're missing the point. Medal. Everything. Yes, but you're you're missing the whole point. Yeah, but but you're missing the point of it being a predicator that because it because you did this, you go on to to go off of that. It's it's not. I'm not saying there's nothing good come out of it. I'm just saying you can't use that. And use that as a reason to say, oh, now we're World Cup contenders. No, right? Sort of like. World Cup contenders. I'm just saying, you can't. But that's what I was talking about. It. Say that they got nothing out of that. They will Dude, but, disagree with you. But see, I was using the example because this is a team that goes from being that dominant and then they can't qualify to the. Let me double check, but I'm sure they didn't. They didn't go. Um, were they at the 94 World Cup? Uh, I can check for you. And then, um, I don't even remember if they did anything in 98. 
98, they flopped, if I'm not mistaken. See, so that's that's the whole thing with the, the whole point where you're expecting this success at that level. That stuff you're mentioning happened way after. I don't, I don't see at that. At that point, they're not really dependent on the youth thing. Yeah, they, they, they were like, it could just be the federation taking things more serious or, or working there. So, but but I'm just going. My main point being, if a team does well as like a youth team, you can't use that to say, oh, the senior team is going to kill. So Nigeria, because I remember everyone was talking about Nigeria. They did they in, beat uh, Brazil. Yeah, they, they beat Brazil at the Olympics. That had Ronaldo, top Ronaldo, man. Yeah, that's like a stacked Brazilian team. And Nigeria wins it, dude. And everyone's thinking. You know, here comes the next big team. And they didn't really do much. And in the day World Cup, they gone with, I think they'll, they just beat Spain at the group stage. I think they crashed in the next round. Man, you didn't really hear much about them. And so that's, that has been kind of my point with the mixed media because the under-17 won, but it's like, dude, it's under-17. You, you can't go and call this a golden generation and... Like you're blowing too much smoke of people ass and creating these like lofty expectations out of a youth tournament. You can go ahead like, and call it a golden generation, <clears throat> but you can't ignore the fact that you're working towards the right path. Because you have said it yourself. You have said it that people, the re one of the reasons they're so molero games is because they use the money for other things. That the reason that Mexico yeah. does so well in the youth levels is because these players have played so many international tournaments. Yeah. So, yeah, you can't call it a golden generation, but you can't just say, oh, well, hey, I know you guys did great there, but, you know, that doesn't mean you're going to do great in the future. Like, calm down. Obviously, no. you're doing something right. There's nothing wrong with having some hope that, you know, if you keep doing things right, this level can translate towards a higher level. But so, to me, that's not real hope. quick. That's not having hope. The media thing, it's overhyping. Real, real quick, I, I like to talk. Stats, not opinions. So let me just go over the under-17 World Cup winners. Brazil has one, two, three, four. Nigeria has one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> Obviously, Mexico has two. Ghana has two. But, you know, these are just some of the countries that have won the under-17 World Cup. Has not translated, obviously, to any of success, except for Brazil. But Brazil's being Brazil. When you look at the under 20, the most winningest country, Argentina with five, six, actually. Argentina's won it six times under 20. Brazil's won it uh, five times. Portugal's won it twice. Yeah. And you know, so and that, like, are you saying that because those countries didn't go ahead and win the World Cup? You know, right after that, it doesn't really matter. No. What I don't look at, I don't look at. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm just saying that there's a there's How a huge. Of those players actually went ahead and did something, because if you look at like the players that Mexico like played in those Brazil that final against Brazil or even the U21, a bunch of those players moved on, went to Europe, and are having great careers in Europe or even back in their domestic leagues, <laughs> while the majority of the Mexican players haven't even debuted for their main team or didn't even go on ahead and had a great career. So, so they you, won these World Cups, but they didn't go ahead and the, win the main one. How about you look at the fact that the majority of their players bro, are actually going I, out? The, the two okay, you're, you're pissing way off the pot because my main, the main point was 
using it as predicator for the team, the senior team, to go and have success. Yes, the players, they're good players because they won, and yes, they could go on and have good careers. That does not in dispute. What's in dispute is having that mentality, thinking that because it's under 17, they could, that at the senior team is going to do good now. Well, you Mexico really might have, allowed to have that mentality, but these other countries are because the majority of their players that are successful at that youth level, they go on ahead to have successful careers in Europe. Yeah, so now you're talking about the player. Talk about the national team. I guess I used, I just used Portugal as an example. 94, 98, it didn't didn't do anything. Uh, You know, and I would say under 20, it's a lot closer to the senior team. And it was more, more was expected. So I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's, you know, that it doesn't matter to, to have that success. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It's important and it's good. I'm just saying, don't use because you won here. Think that you're going to win over here because of this. Because it's it's a whole different thing, you know. So doing good at the 17 or under 20 doesn't mean that your national team is is going to go and emulate that. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you know, I know but your players they're moving on and having good careers. <clears throat> you can put that as success. Not everyone's looking at oh, because you know we won the U17 or. World Cup team in four years from now is going to be amazing. Not really looking at that, but a lot of people measure success by how many of those players that won that World Cup actually move on to have meaningful careers. And if you look at other countries, it's the majority of them. As for now, Mexico and Nigeria, no. Mexico and Nigeria is the opposite. They have success on the youth level, and then you look at their players, where they go as seniors, majority of them don't have that success. So that's where the real question is at. Well, you, I mean, well, that's, that's your question. Because <laughs> we were just talking about Max and being called called Golden Generation. And then I just said how we've seen a lot of teams that were successful at youth that at the senior didn't do anything. And then you well, that you is the Golden the Generation. Other stuff. It is the Golden Generation for the level they're competing. <clears throat> if no one no, else was no, able no. to do it before and you did, you're a golden generation of that youth 17 uh, To me, it's exaggerated because it's like you're calling it a golden generation and it was like one or two players that stood out and you could have another generation of players that did way better, did way more, and maybe they didn't win, but overall they were they were the better, you know, um, the better team. No one remembers losers. People remember winners. <laughs> And if your country hasn't won that before, and you're yes. the generation that did it, that makes you a golden generation. I thought, I thought most people remember remember the, the World Cup and become elite players of the world. But for that level, what you did at that level, something that your country wasn't able to do before, yeah, that's a golden generation. Most, if you most didn't people take advantage don't even of that golden generation like... or that golden generation, then live up to the, uh, you know, what you expected from them. That's different. I second you on that. Most people won't be able to name you that rest of that 17 spot. They knock him down and say, oh, you're not that special. Of course it's special. (laughs) They did something that wasn't done before. Uh, Real quick, want to give a quick shout-out to Jose in the YouTube chat. He said that during the Mazatlan game, uh, Jose Juan Esquivel was technically... uh, a player that was not allowed to be utilized uh, because of yellow card oh. yellow card accumulation, 
Um, but unfortunately, that was debunked uh, at the during the. It was brought up during the broadcast and then debunked because he, he has accumulated five. But because this game was played ahead of schedule, um, this is Jornada Once. Um, he's uh, eligible to be on the bench. But yeah, it was a big. It was a big topic during the match. Any any way to help or benefit Chivas? But uh, unfortunately, that wasn't the case tonight. <laughs> I know Atlas got away with it one time. He was hoping and you took it away. Yeah. Yeah, with for less, dude, for less. For having a player in the bench for, what, 40 minutes? They didn't even play. Yeah. You know, to put a bow tie on this under 17, under 20, like, you know, the thing about it is we've obviously seen something happen between the youth and first division and senior team. Like, I don't know what gets lost in translation. I don't know what happens during that process, but you know, in, in Habibi's defense, the 2005 golden generation, a lot of those players did end up going to Europe. However, in 2011, when they won it again, none of those guys panned out. The only guy that did was Carlos Fierro, but none of these guys went to Europe or had any success. Um, and then under under twenty, I think our highest performance was uh, third place, and none of those guys panned out either. Ulises Davila was part of that run, so you know I, I just don't think there's enough data to to say yes, you will find success in the later parts of your career because you won a, a youth tournament. Now with Portugal, they won two back to back. Maybe that was the spark or the inspiration to what is Portugal now. Which you know they 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 do develop a lot of talent. They're they're one of the best at doing that actually, and they, they have a lot of uh, young players. Benfica and Porto just pump these guys out like almost. I would say it was their league, Jaime. Huh? Because your your national team could do good. I I would say it was their league, like their league improved, and that that overall helped because the national team can do good, but that. Yeah, the but, national team doesn't develop players. I, they depend on the yeah. players from the league. You know what I mean? So it's like, even if the national team had, like, like, look at Costa Rica, for example, that great World Cup they had in 2014. And that doesn't exactly going to make them a better team. They're dependent on still on the players coming out of their, their own league. And so then that team went on to, like, not even getting close to replicating that, nowhere near that. And so, I mean, I, I feel it's like, if, if your league improves, then the quality of your players will improve. And I think well, that's what we've been seeing. You got to you gotta realize the impact that it has on the young, you know, the kids watching this on TV. I don't know Portugal's history uh, with football, but I know that they've never been considered like a, a serious contender, right? Up until like recent history. But I don't we think... Serious, um, yeah. Which was like their version of Pelé. And they, I mean, don't get me wrong. They had Usebo, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's it like, like I, I know that they, I know that they've had some some hitters uh, throughout the years, but maybe the eighty nine ninety one World Cup champions, maybe that sparked, you know, and inspired, you know, what football in Portugal is today. You know, so I don't know if that was like their their aha moment. I mean, you look at a country like Croatia, man. I mean. They are such a small population. They produce so many world-class players. And I'm sure that their, you know, runner-up <laughs> to France in 2018 
is going to inspire even yeah. the next generation of football. Well, we're here with Osevio uh, really quick. With Osevio, the third place 1966 World Cup. Well, there you go. I don't know if they got to win. He played in Mexico too, right? I don't think so. Well, in Mexico 70? Or you mean Liga Mex? No, Liga Mexis, no? I swear he did, bro. No? He played for Rariados, dude. Monterrey, dude. He did. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, Damn. Um, guess he did. 1975. That's crazy. He had 300 appearances for Benfica from 1961 to 1975. Then he went to Rayados. Yeah, that's a that's interesting. I have a question for y'all. So, this is a topic that I, I think is going to be fun for us. Right now, we have 18 teams in Liga Mekis. If you could promote two teams right now from the second division or from Liga Mekis history, maybe they're not in, maybe they don't exist anymore. Who would be the two teams that you think are the most deserving to return to the first division? Deserving? Uh, I don't know. Probably. Morelia, I don't think Morelia was even relegated, right? Where they just stripped out of their franchise to make room for... They just got sold, for... right? <laughs> sold and relocated. They want his negros just because I want to see more teams in Guadalajara. I would like to see Atlante, but, but in the F.A., not, not in the beach resorts. They're not in Cancun anymore. Where are they, man? Where's... They, uh, you know, they actually play in Cruz, Cruz Azul's old stadium that was supposed to get torn down. Oh, but... they, they came back. Yeah. Should have never left, but. Yeah, y'all in the chat or on Twitter Spaces, feel free to speak up. Let me know what teams that you would like to see return to the first division. You know, if it was up to me. I would like to see Morelia return. I think they should be a first division team. They didn't do anything wrong. They just had terrible ownership. And I would like to see them play against Mazatlan and the loser gets relegated. I think that would be fair, you know. Um, And then Atlante, man. I think Atlante have been doing a really good job, um, you know, as of late. I think El Jobe Bermuda still plays there. And they've won a few chances. Yeah. They won like a championship not too long ago. I would like Atlante to return. You know, I grew up watching Atlante on TV, and I know that they had some some really good players. You know, they had um that guy that used to uh, dress up like uh, Chavo del Ocho. What was his name? Was he a Chilean? Was he Chilean? Put the head on. Yeah. Where's Ron? Did Ron leave? Uh. <laughs> I think his last name was Ray, no? Something, something old. Luis Gabriel Ray, right? Ah. Chile, uh, there was. Or El Canguro, right? Is that the same guy? Am I mixing? I don't remember the name, but you know a Chilean that he would put on a travel hat. Yeah, there was uh Yeah. 
I would like Atlanta to return. I would also Chamagol. Chamagol. Yeah, I mixed them up. I mixed them up. Yeah. Sebastian Gonzalez. Yes, Chamagol. Yes, he was in Atlante. Yeah, dude, Chamagol and Luis Gabriel Rey. Mm-hmm. You also had um oh they had some asshole, dude. They had some dude that was really really good striker towards the ter- when they won the the tournament in 20 I think in 2010 was their last championship. They had a good team, bro. They had squad. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I guess they I don't know, dude. I don't know what happened in Mex that these teams weren't able to to have like I, well yes I do know. I say I don't know. Part of it like Nicaxa, like like playing and and Azteca wasn't gonna help them. They were always gonna be seen as like the you know, sort of like the second team. Mm-hmm. I think they needed to have like their own venue, their own stadium. And then try to corner that that part of town, you know, like make it make it theirs. Like this is this is Nicaxa territory, you know. Um, and they and I think Alante is sort of the same. Like they they kind of weren't able to like just carve out their own space. And and you know, if is huge, they they should be able to do it. Like how we see it in London and Buenos Aires. Um, and so I think sharing stadiums for so long, I think that kind of didn't help them. Like they could have just had their own small stadium. Yeah. And I think that would have, they would have had like similar to Toluca, like really passionate fans. <clears throat> okay. So this is the squad they had when they won their championship in 2007. They had VR, obviously. Um, and then they also had. El Hobby Bermudez. They also had um, Maldonado. That was the guy I was thinking about. Oh, Venezuelan. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That guy was good, bro. He was. Uh, he. I remember because they knocked us out. They knocked uh, Chivas out in the semis. And it was. Young- was that Profe Cruz as the coach? Uh, who was their coach, actually? I have no idea. Yeah, it was. Yep. Man, yeah, no Atlante, man. Yeah, so I would, I would, if if I was to pick two teams, Atlante and Morelia, but secretly I would love for Tecos to return, and also Leones Negros. I would like to see more teams from, you know, Jalisco, in the first division. You know, Chivas and Atlas are great, but Leones Negros and and Tecos, I think that would be really nice. Or Liga Mackies. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would like, I would prefer that because you, the more teams you have, like in the city, and I think like the F is doable, you you can, uh, I do I do believe they can like emulate that. Like I said, like how you have like in London and Buenos Aires. Remember when I started, back when uh, Fox Sports first started broadcasting with, and going way back like 95? Mm-hmm. It was Fox Sports America, and the majority of their programming was from Argentina, the Torneos y Competencias, TYC. So I used to see a lot of Argentine soccer. It's just, it was on all the time. So I remember I'll be watching, and the commentators, Clásico, Clásico de Núñez, Clásico de this. And I was like, the fuck? Harry King's a Clásico, dude. I was, 
was used in Mexico. It was like three. It was like three, like classic regio, yeah, uh, super classico, and then uh, the other one, uh, the Chivas Atlas. This every fucking game, dude. I was like, I was like, are they just calling it that? But no, dude. Uh, these fucking stadiums are basically across the street from each other. So, oh yeah, man. Yeah, they, they were big. You know, that's that's what helped, and I do feel. Kind of had that in Mex, but sort of like we missed it by a bit, because cause look at Guadalajara, you had a bunch of teams, Jalisco, Oro, you have Tecos, you have uh, Leones Negros, Chivas, um, probably others. I can I don't know, and and now you you the effort right? You had Atlantic, Cruz Azul, America, Pumas, um, Necaxa, Necaxa, and you could throw two more, three more. It's a huge city. They could just, and you could have that. You, you could eventually. Yeah, even though technically they're not that far, but still, yeah. you you could pretty close. Probably connected by now, just because yeah. because the city keeps expanding, or just move them. What is it like? Maybe it has to be ten feet more <laughs> this way so that it qualifies. Uh, but dude, yeah, that city could have you. You know, and and again, you don't need the the massive stadiums. You could have. The smaller venues like 20k stadium you don't need you don't need because you know some of these stadiums it makes what was it um built for like the olympics and the world cup so they were massive um, but you don't really need you don't need to go there yeah i mean go the like, go the mls route right build soccer specific stadiums they don't have to be most mls stadiums are you know hovering around 20k and that's that's okay yes. Yeah, you could do them where they could be expanded. You could you could just yeah make them a certain way that if you ever need to double up to forty, it won't be a big deal. Um, so yeah, I and I still think that could be a possibility, but maybe years, years, you know, years down the line, man, we're we're gonna be all time. Man. We're gonna be like, oh, we remember talking about this. You know, it's like <laughs> I. There's this big trend right now where people with money are investing in football, right? And I I just have to wonder what is preventing Liga Mekis, you know, from being a viable solution for a lot of these guys, you know, because like Saudi Arabia has so much money and they, they bought Newcastle and like, I get it. You know, the EPL is just like one of the best leagues in the world, but someone has to be looking at the numbers that Liga Mekis puts up every week in North America and the United States. Like somebody out there is like, yo, we're literally sleeping on like gold here, like a gold mine. And I would like to see, you know, some investors go into Liga Mekis and pump some money in, dude. I think that would be really exciting to see. And I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why you know, it's it doesn't happen. Probably a lot of corruption and all that. But Liga Mekis is just like you know a sleeping giant in terms of like the business side of things, right? There is the there yeah. is there is the demand. There there's that demand in the U.S. and it's like there's it's it's uh, affordable, right? You could buy a team for not that much money. I feel like and and really like start a project and and man like it would be it would be incredible to see some of these teams revive from the dead you know when there was a rumor about uh, red bull you know investing in mexico i was excited you know to see to see that happen and then it didn't you know so 
you know, I'm just waiting for something like that. I think, and like, oh yeah, well that's 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 Man City. No, Man City, I think also, I think was. Because I think they own teams. Yeah, they're branching out to like Australia and New York. Uh, I think they're in Brazil yeah. as well. Yeah. And then with the part in MLS, right? And uh, yeah, the NYFC. Um, yeah, that I think might have just heard wrong, but but no, yeah, you're right. You're you're right. Um, you're right with that. There's a lot of potential there, but I think that's why the league's been trying to structure it and. And kind of copy the the MLS formula, or the league owners, I should say, because they probably uh, would like to have uh, a plan or something like that. So that's kind of what you do when you eliminate relegation, where it's like, well, your team will still be in first division. Like you could invest money and not worry that your investment is going to be gone in in a year or two because your team got relegated. Because, I mean, these investors would, would be buying, a lot of times they don't just buy the team, they'll end up buying, um, you know, fixing the stadium or, or training grounds. And so they invest a lot. And it's like, you're not going to want to do all that if if you don't have a lot of guarantees of, you know, yeah, what? where the team's going to be at. So I, I underestimated. So the Manchester City Football Group, own obviously man city new york city football club melbourne over there in australia montevideo in uruguay troyes in league one in france lomo which is in the second division of belgium mumbai in india girona in spain uh chinese league one japanese and palermo and Bahia, <laughs> dude, they own. Just play their own. Wow, they could play their own, their own leagues. <laughs> they have their own international leagues. Who's gonna? Who's who? Who's gonna be that team in Liga Mekis that gets acquired by the Man City Group? Yeah, I don't know. You never know. <laughs> you don't know. I, but I do feel that Liga Mekis has been taking some steps in, into fixing things because. It was very, very corrupt, uh, you know, 90s going into 2000s. A lot of these teams were just a lot of shady stuff. I still think there's some of it. They just can't get rid of it. There was like an article mm-hmm. that came out recently about uh, the cartels in Mexico are the fifth biggest employers in Mexico, the Mexican cartels. That's how many people they employ, and I think they rank fifth. I'm like, damn. Damn. <laughs> it's like they must own as I as I heard they own a lot of the avocados. Um <laughs> so they, all that uh, plants and whatnot, anything they uh you know, trailers and buses of who knows, man. They're they're savvy businessmen. Uh but I know they were using the clubs to launder money to Monterrey before they got acquired. Oh Monterrey was was uh Damn. The, the tutor on Monterrey, he, he, he would do that. He would loan their money. And then uh, a bunch of clubs ended up being affected by that Nicaxa, Atlas. It was a lot. It was, it, was, it was getting out of hand. This is kind of the league started doing all these different rules to try to like weed out some of that 
I think they, who knows, man, I would like to think they've been somewhat successful, but I feel that that just massive number of foreigners, to me, that's that's why that's a big, that's always been the mm. big reason because that's how they make money, just that's through, true. you know, they'll buy them from South America, bring them, um, dude, even the Colombians, Colombian, I think the FARC and the Colombian cartel were even involved with using Mexican League to launder money. Oh, I didn't know about that one. Yeah, you can Google, you can put FARC, F-A-R-C, Liga MX, that shit's on the, it's on the webs. Damn. This is not talked about because, you know, they want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, it's just negative shit, but still. Yeah. Um, moving things along, there was a Jose Mourinho sound clip that got released today. So Jose Mourinho. Só te voy a decir una cosa. Me acaba de contratar el mejor equipo de México. So, obviously that uh, raised a lot of eyebrows today, but want to tell everybody to slow the F down. He announced it on his, I think on his Instagram as a paid partnership. So it's most likely going to be some kind of, maybe he got a TV deal or something, you know, like he's going to be a commentator. Or something. Yeah. I don't think he's going to come to Mexico oh, and, and coach anybody. Um, yeah, he's, he's over there at Roma having a great time, but we'll see what happens with Jose Mourinho. You know, I, I really didn't know the, uh, you know, he's given Mexico its flowers. He, he has always sp spoken highly of, of Liga Mekis. So, you know, maybe down the road, we can convince him to, to coach here. We'll see. Would be, I would love Jose in Mexico, dude. That'd be incredible. Hey, Mexico, we've had, you know, Leo Benhacker, we've had Bielsa. Yeah, it's for not, sure. You know, I don't think it's too far off. Dude. Even Pep, you know, once he's really old, <laughs> he come to Max for one last rendezvous. Yeah, you'll be surprised some of the people end up coming to Max. For sure, we're coming. We're coming up on the two hours. I um, I have like a sort of a hot take. This will be my hot take for for tonight, because. You know, I, I do, I am a big contributor to like the subreddit on Liga Mekis. And right now, Hoyle, if you could see it, man, every time Santi Jimenez, you know, scratches his balls, they make a thread. Oh, and, and every time he picks his nose, and oh my God, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I'm like, I'm like, you better act like we've fucking been here before, bro. This isn't the first time we've had someone have success in Europe. Or in the you know Edesville, you know the Dutch league. We have we've we've seen this happen before. Act like you've been here before, and just to like give you perspective of things, right? Santi's scored. You know he's, he's scoring for Feyenoord. He's having a great season, but even a bum like Josie Altador scored twenty goals in a season in the Dutch league. Okay, and I keep bringing it up, and everyone keeps shitting. But I'm like, dude, like, it just goes to show, like, it's not that difficult of a league to score in. I don't understand why everyone's thinking, oh, he should go to Real Madrid. Oh, he should, dude, like, calm the fuck oh, down, bro. Yeah. Because the thirst is real, Jaime. They, they, the media has pushed this whole Europe angle to the point that fans feel it necessary for Mexicans to succeed in Europe in, in order to you know, the team, the national team to be more successful. 
And I feel that's a lot of these fans, that's what they are. They're, they're more they're more national team fans. And I'm willing to bet that these guys have like uh, their fellow Euro team, probably even more, and, you know, than, than like whatever Liga MX. But I do think is that it's sort of like that validation of like the players doing good in Europe. So we're, you know, it shows that we're good type of thing. I don't know, man. I feel like a lot of people have self-esteem issues and they. <laughs> I think that's a terrible take personally. Oh, yeah. Go for it's it, bro. I'm, I'm here to fight, bro. Because, like, for example, even like going with what is saying that I disagree with that also. Talking about like, oh, you know, they think it would be better for the national team. Bro, no one gives a fuck about the national team. The reason Jaime doesn't like Vela is because he quit on the national team. The reason people rate Vela is because they don't care about the national team. They look what he did at his club career at Sociedad, how he was killing it with Griezmann. When he showed up to the MLS, you know, he was killing it there too, and they see his talent. They People criticize him more for like, oh, if he actually cared about the game like some other players do, the talent he could have been. But no, I don't, I'm not mad at Bella for not going to the national team, for quitting on the national team. They made him quit the way they treated him, the way the directiva treated him. I actually got a picture with him over the weekend. No, uh, Wednesday. Yeah, you should have slapped him. No, he was cool as hell, bro. He was a cool dude. I'm sure he is a cool dude, but you should fucking remind him. But why? Because you're mad that he quit on the national team? But the the directiva thing, he he still went on and he played the World Cup. And Mexican directiva changes every four years. So the people that were there when... When he quit, they were gone. Yeah, but so I mean, we really can't use that. 2014 World Cup. And that's my whole point, that no one's hyping up Santi because hopefully he can be the savior of the national team. Could care less about the national team. You saw he should have gone to the World Cup, and he didn't, and the team was cheeks. And everyone was like, man, he should be, you know, in his club. Just worry about his club, having a great club career. Yeah, anyone can score, sure, in the Dutch League, if that's the argument you want to go with. But what people are looking at, the top two U223 world players in the world with the most goals are Erling Holland and Santi Jimenez. Yeah, but look at the league they so play in. The, yeah, look where they play at. One plays with Man City, who scored like 100 goals last season when Erling Holland showed up. They asked him, are you surprised that you scored so many goals your first year? He's like, no, because I saw that they scored 100 goals last year, so obviously I knew I was going to score. So, But the point is that you're hating on him for what he's doing, so how come no other 23-year-old I'm not hating on him. I'm not hating on him. I'm not hating on him. He's not doing it. Look, that's a hating. I'm not hating on Santi Jimenez. I'm just saying act like you've been here before. It's the fucking yes. Dutch league, and the fucking defense is a joke. He should be scoring twenty goals. We should be angry. He's not scoring a hat trick every game. It's the it's yeah. the mentality. <laughs> I'm just saying, bro. This is like it's barely a step up from the MLS, dude, and that's not saying much. And that's why it's the same thing with Carlos Vela, bro. Why would anyone root for Carlos Vela? Who's rooting for LAFC, dude? That's my question. It's no like no one's rooting for LAFC. He I plays for the MLS. He plays for the MLS. He and he doesn't play for the <laughs> national team. So why the fuck does anyone care about Carlos Vela? Because he's not contributing to any of Liga Mekis or Mexico. That's my that's my argument. He he decided to hang up his boots. 
He said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna step away from the national team because I'm a little well, you're bitch." Having no self-esteem because no. you want clubs to translate to national team. No, I'm just saying when you're criticized, look, and that's what you're trying to define. My my problem with Carlos Vela is he was a really great player and he had the talent. He didn't want to play for the national team because he got thrown under the bus. Whatever, I understand. I understand from a personal. Wait, wait. Let's just, let me just clarify real quick. Sure. The media is coming under the bus. The directivos did it. It was the media. We heard well, story. Why, was, why was he the only one disciplined? Him and uh, Juarez. There was, there was a few, but those were the ones that were. But he was the only like one. The main culprits. He was the only one that got suspended. The, the young single dude got used as a scapegoat to protect the married guys. Simple. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But my, my all right, here's my argument with Carlos Vela, right? This guy was supposed to lead us to, you know, success, right? And then the World Cup comes around and he says, I'm not going to go, right? And that should have been it. He should have never returned to the national team. But what does he do? After we get, we lost to Holland, he returns and we play Holland again. And then because of him, we win the game. And I'm like, well, what was the fucking point of, of like skipping out on the World Cup? If you came back anyways, like if you're going to fucking say, hey, like I'm, I'm done with the national team, then be done from the national team and retire for good. Don't come back and be like, well, actually, I'll help you guys. No, like, dude, like be a man of your word. That's all I'm saying. Or it could have been that one. It was Piojo as coach and the other one, it was Osorio as coach. And he probably believed more into Osorio as being a professional and not just a hothead. I don't know. All I know that's is that's he, what he was asking he, for. Structure. He will forever be a little bitch to me, and I don't care about his personal Why? accolades. He didn't go back to the national team. You have a responsibility to play and 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 represent your national team, regardless well, I, of. I just hope Joel is hearing this because this was Joel was criticizing that people think that club has to translate to national team, and people have self esteem issues that you know it makes them. Validate their why do we follow the, the why do we follow the sport? Why do we care about Mexico and Liga Mekis? Because we want to see them win a fucking World Cup. I mean that's what I that's that's my fucking that's why I watch and follow every single week. So then why are you happy about Santi Jimenez? I'm not I'm not it's not that I'm not happy with him. I'm just saying I cannot stand the fans that are fucking creaming their pants yeah. over meat. Like this is stuff that he should be doing week in and week out. And we shouldn't be putting him on a pedestal. Like, Oh my God, he's, he's so good. He should be playing for Real Madrid. Like let's slow the fuck down. Well, I don't let know him put him on a pedestal and saying playing for Real Madrid. Let him, let him, like, con- you let guys him can never be satisfied. I, for if me, he's doing amazing. Oh, wow. Whoa. Hold up guys. He's not doing that amazing. If he's doing terrible, why is he doing terrible? He plays in a terrible league. Anybody could do it there. So if he does well, hey, it doesn't matter. Anyone can do well there. If he does terrible, why are you doing terrible? Anyone can do well. I'm just saying, it's like we. Doesn't matter what he does. It seems you're gonna criticize him regardless. Nah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying, like we need to like act like we've been here, and we we don't. Every we do this week in and week out. Tell me when Chicharito played at United and was scoring goals, you didn't wake up excited to watch the games at seven, six in the morning and cream. What does that have to do with Santi Jimenez, bro? Are you telling me you didn't do it though? What does that have to do with Santi Jimenez? Because you're criticizing people. It's not the same. It's not the same, bro. I'm pretty sure what you did back then. I'm pretty sure you creamed your pants every time. It's not the same comparison. You woke up early and you saw Chicharito. You don't know that. I'm pretty sure you did. 
and it's not even the same comparison. So that is, is that is irrelevant to the, the argument. Let me let me stick to the argument because you like to throw shit out there. Look, that the youth got inspired. This is by, this is the World Cup winners from whatever. Who's saying that Santi Jimenez is not inspiring youth in Mexico? I'm right sure now? he is. <laughs> I just cannot stand the fans that are like saying that he should play for Real Madrid. It's like, dude, he's playing in the Dutch league. Let him let him do his thing, but let's fucking slow down here. Like. It's 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 something that like I just can't stand. We hype up these players, and you know it's like with every fucking player that comes out and, and sits on the like Marcelo Flores, bro. We fucking built this guy out to be a fucking wonder kid, and it's like why do we do that to ourselves, bro? Why don't we just let them do their thing without hyping them up so much? You know, it's like it's unnecessary. Okay, and, maybe he's not Real Madrid, but at the same time, it's not a far fetched idea. Anthony went from that league, although. Over Manchester United, the uh, legit or whatever his name is, he went over to Bayern. Frankie De Jong went from that league over to Barcelona. Who does Madrid have a striker right now? They have a guy from a team that got relegated last year, Joselu. Joselu has doesn't have the technique. He's older. So when I just mentioned that the top U twenty three strikers in the world as far as numbers right now are Erling Haaland, who's at Man City. Yeah, I get it. Hit in the Dutch league. Why wouldn't you? I'm pretty sure if he was Brazilian or he was straight but up But he's Argentina, not. He's Mexican. And we Mexican do not have a track record. We're not if a proven commodity in that, Europe. No one would be complaining. They'd be like, oh, yeah, bro, he's Brazilian. He's going to kill it in Brazil. Dude. Oh, yeah, bro, he's Argentinian. We yeah, he's do not have it. the credibility, the track record, or the results to be comparing ourselves. So why are you using that to hold him back? I'm not holding him back. I'm happy he's doing well, and I hope that he ends up at a, at a top club. If Chicha could go from Chivas to United, yeah, but he's not Chicharito, obviously, because if he was, he'd he already be playing Dutch in the League, Premier League. There's a reason he's playing in the Dutch League and not in the top league. Why can't he go from the Dutch League to the La Liga? He can, and he, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he's going to end up at a top team so eventually. What's wrong with people getting excited about that? I mean, he's the leader's quarter. Because he's playing in the fucking Dutch League, league right now. That's why, dude. And, and you have to appreciate appreciate so where he's at. He appreciate the up. process. Like, let's just enjoy it for what it is. Let's 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 support him. But like, when you when people say this shit, dude, it's like it's fucking cringe, dude. Just just let him do his thing. And I'm sure the the hitters, I'm sure the big teams will will follow suit and will try to sign him in 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 January. We'll see what happens. But it's like we need to fucking act like we've been here, dude. Like it's embarrassing. That's all I'm trying to say. I'm supporting him. I'm happy for him. And, like, I hope that he ends up in a big club. But it's like, let's just relax here, man. <laughs> it's like everybody was building up Yael Padilla after two, after two fucking matches because he scored in back-to-back games. And what has Yael Padilla done since then? He hasn't done shit. It's like... Well, I get it. I mean, we, we started recently. Then once a champion. One helped his team win the championship. Once become an established player on the starting eleven. There's a big difference. One comes from his previous league being a He's a hijo de papi, bro. Stop it. Just talking about the circuit. Yal Padilla has what less than ten games as a pro? It's not the same thing. If the guy's established, if he's the leading scorer, he has ten goals in five games. If they won the title last season and if they win the title this season, and if he finished this season as the leading scorer. There's nothing wrong with wanting him to move on to better and bigger. No, I agree. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just like, let's fucking... 
get down from cloud nine and and enjoy enjoy for what it is i'm sure he's gonna score many goals in holland but let's just let's just take it day by day man that's all i'm saying we, we've seen the club the club nine i mean we've seen it the gold cup he went from unstoppable to not being able to score to against central american or caribbean teams at the gold cup he's for the winner my yeah. guy and it's also team yeah. sport remember <laughs> it's a team sport Yes, it's always expectations. Or the Mexico I'm talking about expectations. So I'm not criticizing. What I'm talking about is expectations because that's that's from the circle jerk. seeing him, Tony Gall's act, then he comes here, and that's that's the expectation created by the media and the circle jerk group that he's going to kill it. And when they see that it's different, you know, you start having hate or all of a sudden, um, you know, the excuses coming in. That's just the whole thing uh, kind of exciting with Jaime, where it's like, no need to get over themselves. Let, let them just play it out. Well, those we are two to... different worlds. What did Hugo Sanchez do with the national team? Does That's that why, same thing. Hugo Sanchez's club career? No, it Those's doesn't. But, it, but, it, but you see people criticize his national team career or say he didn't do anything. Um, and that was part of it because they were expecting him to emulate what he did at Real Madrid, and he, he just didn't. He never did. Um, but I, I feel he still played an important role. But that's always been the criticism, and you could kind of see that. I guess we'll see. It's going to be more difficult because no World Cup qualifying, but we'll see. Guess Copa America Centenario. We'll see. Um, you know, that's where. That's where the. You know the. The spotlight's going to be on for all the players. We're going to say Centenario, just Copa America. It's not, it's not Centenario anymore. But the, the Copa America, the, the Copa de las Americas, or whatever they want to call it. Copa America that they don't host every year now that Messi won? <laughs> that one is going to be held here in the U.S. Yeah, but you realize how they hosted it pretty much every other year until Messi won it, and now they went back to every other four years. <laughs> Well, you need to, man. You need to. They're hurting for cash. If you have a player like of that, then I'll try to use them as much as they can. Uh, we had uh, somebody in the comments on YouTube say, Habibi has the Santa Jimenez G-string on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's Ricardo. I don't know if that's our Ricardo, but no, that's Ricardo definitely. <laughs> no, I should already tell you that. You guys told me a, a bird drop you off that letter, and I would have told you it was said by Ricardo. And then uh, <laughs> he says the winner against Panama, and then a rolling uh, laughing emoji on the floor. Hey, Henry Martin didn't score it. Hey. <laughs> But Henry Martin tired him out, man. He tired out that he defense. Tired him out, man. It's a hard part. It's, it's like the guy who talks to the girl all night. At the bar, he tires her out just for someone to come in and bang her the last five minutes. Hey, but oh, I nice. I held uh, you know majority nice possession. <laughs> you bought her all the drinks. You got her drunk, and then you saw some big stud come in and clap her. Congrats. <laughs> 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 oh man, that's hilarious! Hey man, you know how to push my buttons. You ever want to push my buttons? Just bring up Carlos Vela, bro. I I can go on a 
two-hour rant about why I hate that guy. <laughs> Best H- left foot in Mexican history. That's my hot take. Habibi is radiating big Jovenes Azteca's energy right now. <laughs> that is uh, Ricardo in the chat on YouTube. I love it. You know, keep it, keep it going. We're at the two-hour mark, so I'm going to let you guys have your closing thoughts. I obviously had mine, and we'll put a bow tie on episode 402. Hey, I feel like I already did. <laughs> I already did have a closing thought. Yeah, it's all. I just like to see what. Just really quick, just I'm just not so much closing thoughts, but like when I'm gonna be looking forward to see what how Powell and the Iron Man, uh, you know, manage this current Chima situation uh, moving forward because it's it's worrisome at this point. Not worse, I'm beginning, beginning to worry. My closing thought is that, you know, Pauno, I feel a little sad for him. He looks like a great guy, a nice guy, hard worker. He looks like he studies the game, you know, that he puts 100% effort into his job. And it's just wild to me the extremes that you see from three months ago to now. How last year, last season, Mosul was. You know, one of the best right backs, if not the best Mexican right back in the league. And now my man is walking all of the second half. Can't even lay sun in a proper cross. Same thing with Pocho. He goes from being your leading scorer to now walking around second half. Can't get nothing going. So to me, it just tells me that it's your typical Mexican player. New guy comes in. They buy into the system. You know, they buy into the whole team first mentality. And, you know, they're professionals, you know. So it's like when you get motivated, when you're like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym and, like, lose weight. And you're, like, motivated for those first few weeks and then you just fall off the train. It's it's like that situation. Like, the motivation ran out. And what gets you through every single day is not motivation but discipline. Putting in the work even if you don't want to. And clearly these guys don't want to put in the work. And the one that's going to get let go and pay the consequences is going to be Pauno. And in reality, it should be these players because how it's the same base of players that a coach can't last a year at Chivas. It's to the point where, my guy, it's not the coach. It happened like with Solari at America, too. You know, Ricardo will say that, you know, America played like trash and Solari should have been getting fired. But he had him in first place. And, and you know, Liguilla, different story. But throughout the season, he had him working and then le tendieron la cama. Right now, you can tell Chivas players le están tendiendo la cama. Pano's going to be gone, man. But uh, to me, it's to the point where I put like 30% on him because he, he has some questionable lineups. He has some questionable decisions in the league's cup. But at the end of the day, the players ain't putting in their effort, man. Okay, Pano left, uh, Cadena left, Busa left. Like, How many coaches need to come in for you guys to like get it going for more than like three months? Because it seems like a new coach comes in, they do well while that coach is there in the beginning, and then they fall off, and then the coach gets fired, rinse and repeat. And to me, like, the ideal coach, like, for a Mexican player, it was, like, what Pio Herrera did. You know, it's, like, where he lets them relax, he lets them party, like, they they practice, but not too intense. You know, no two-a-days, no, like, be a professional 24-7. Like, you know, you're just here to maintain yourself. You're not here to get better. And that's what they want. They want, they want more like a, a friend, good ambiente, than they uh, as a professional 
who demands more of you. Yeah, so, I th- like I said, I, I feel bad for the guy. I, I think he's a hard worker. It looks like he is. He looks like an honest guy. Uh, even after, I think after the second or third goal, it looked like he wanted to cry. It's just like that frustration. You know, you put in the work and the results are not coming out. I think it's all on the players. But unfortunately, you know, it's always the coach who pays the price. Yeah, man. Beautifully said. We, we need someone like Deion Sanders to come in and just clean everybody out. You know, <laughs> that, that kind of mentality is just like, I'm here because you guys suck and I'm going to get rid of about 90% of you. You know, I, I wish we could have someone that just went in there and cracking schools. And, you know, we like, I feel like Chivas have tried to do it like the clean way, like the, the Boy Scout way of, you know, you sign a pact and we're going to be professional and disciplined and we're not going to be, you know, we've tried it that way and it just doesn't work. So I think you do need to shake things up and say, you know what? To screw all that. The campion, the campionissimo, campionissimo era all started with a shot of tequila before every single match. And that's how they won all these championships. I think we need, we need to go back to our heritage, our history, and traditions. And, and go back to, like, how you said, you know? Enjoy yourself. Let's Let's just play the game and have fun. I think the Mexican needs that more than they need the the physicality, the the two a days like you mentioned. So we'll see what happens to Pau. We'll see how long Yero's uh, leash is. I, I'm I'm very curious to see how all of that pans out. But uh, episode 402 coming at you from live uh, live from Twitter Spaces and YouTube. Thank you all for um, participating for all of your support. Uh, a few announcements. For those that use Google Podcasts, it is going away. So next year, Google will start offering it within YouTube Music. So for all of our listeners that use, um, you know, Google Podcasts, just just a heads up there. Uh, you can catch us on Spotify and all the other podcast apps that are available on our website, cantinamekis.com. It's live. Uh, it has links to all of our socials and then a merch store and. You know, if you haven't figured it out by now, we listen to our our listeners. We we love ha- having them hop on the podcast, send in their questions, send in their comments. And when it comes to the merch store, we we want feedback. We're we're gonna try and roll out some more stuff. So if you want to see something in particular, maybe a you know a beer glass, a, a hoodie, a t shirt, whatever, let us know. We'll work on it. But want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart, and uh, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Good night.